so we're here with uh, with a special episode of the the Tune Lighting uh, podcast. Um, this is actually part two um, of this episode. Um, if you haven't already listened to part one, we're uh, we're doing an episode with uh, Brian Funk from uh, the Music Production Podcast. Uh, so another a fellow podcast producer, um, and we we already did um, well a couple of days ago in real, but actually it was a couple of. Uh, of hours ago, really, um, we did an episode on uh, his podcast where he kindly interviewed uh, both me and Jack uh, about the uh, tune lighting uh, process and about what we've been doing so far. And uh, we're returning the favor by, uh, well, Brian's returning the favor, should I say, by uh, agreeing to to come on uh, on our podcast. So, uh, hi, Brian, how's it going? It's still going good. It's nice to see you guys again. <laughs> we had a lot of fun talking to you guys before, and. Uh, you know, I'm excited about your project and your your podcast and everything. So it's it's fun to be here to talk about this stuff because this is uh, always challenging and you know difficult and mysterious process of making music. Have you done many uh, podcast interviews yourself as a as an interviewer um, and someone who's done? How long have you been? Uh, you know, doing the music production podcast now it's a, it's a few years isn't it but yeah it's, it's like three and a half years now 180 episodes or something and congrats on on that and keeping it keeping it up that long i mean so you must be fairly you know into the groove of, of being the interviewer but have you had much experience of being the the interviewee of having the tables turned as it were yeah, well, I, I treat it, as you've probably noticed, much more like a conversation. Um, I don't usually have, like, questions written out. I, I have, like, points I like to get to. Usually I have, like, some notes that I just follow along with. Sometimes there's specific questions, but I like the kind of rambling conversation nature of it. But, I, I yeah, I've been on, I think, like, one or two podcasts before. So not much. Um well, so yeah, it, it's was, it's a different feeling. <laughs> it's good to have you you on. And I think the reason we we reached out and uh, yeah, we we thought who who's going to have you know we we're, we're on this journey of uh, our tune lighting journey as we call it of trying to produce this album in one year, and we've gone from uh, the first few episodes we did. Me and Jack were doing a lot of rambling, like you said, <laughs> chatting amongst our, ourselves about and ideas and and the process and getting a lot of thoughts out of our head. And then we thought we need to get some people on the podcast who know what they're doing a bit more. And, uh, and I thought, you know, who's, who knows who's going to have that experience of, uh, of talking to a lot of people who, uh, so instead of talking to every single person that we could, we thought let's cut out the middleman and talk to Brian, who's been doing this for three years uh, and get all the, as much knowledge as we can from, uh, from you. So hopefully throughout this, uh, this, uh, We'll kind of break this down into two parts, I guess, of getting to know you a bit more and, and you know, as a musician and, and things like that, because you have, you know, you are a musician and you've, you've produced music and you've put music out there. So that side of things is really interesting, but also uh, gets as much knowledge as we can from you, uh, if that's all right, in terms of, uh, yeah, music production and, and what you've learned uh, doing your podcast uh, over the years. But um, yeah, I, I guess a good place to start would be kind of where you started uh, asking us what's the the journey that you've kind of gone on from a musical point of view and what what inspired you to to start the podcast first of all and yeah what did the journey look like up, up to that point the journey was kind of similar to what you guys had really um 
hearing your story reminded me of my story. Like it was about 14 years old that I learned the guitar. I, I learned that you could play the guitar kind of like, like I learned that if you had a guitar, you could play the songs you heard on the radio, which never occurred to me in my life in four, my first 14 years. I just thought if you were a rock star, you were probably like on a mountaintop one day and this like spirit came down to you or something and like gave you the ultimate power, you know, like, like a superhero origin story. But realizing that I could do that was happened when a friend of mine showed me how to play Enter Sandman on guitar. Like he had just been learning guitar and started showing me stuff and I was just blown away. And um, it just got really exciting from there. And then seeing like um, older kids and bands play at school, I had a very similar experience to you with that. And it, it was just, I don't know, I, it, it, it was just so exciting, like that thrill of being able to like play the songs that you knew and make up your own songs was it I think because it was so new that I just didn't know that you could do that which to me like looking back sounds so funny but it really was how it, how it came to me um and then you know grew up playing in bands rock bands mostly and um eventually after like bands kind of fell apart over and over again I started getting more and more into recording. I was into recording almost right away because I wanted to record rhythm guitars to play solos over, you know, to practice and stuff. But um, the recording process is always really interesting to me. And a lot of my favorite bands, like, did a lot of experimentation with that. And after the bands kind of started falling apart, like, I didn't want to have, like, my music always tied up in, like, being in a band you know, cause they come and go. And I kind of just put so much into it that, um, I really started getting into like exploring how I could do it on my own and, and especially like taking it live. And, th and that's where like I got into Ableton live seemed to be like the best tool to do that. And I got into like, you know, making my own sounds and sound design and got really interesting. Um, the podcast came out really because I, enjoy podcasts myself and I always like the podcasts where they're long kind of rambling conversations with people where you get to like know them and like kind of learn what makes them tick but I didn't really know of anything like that for music production the, the only one I knew of was um, art plus music plus technology uh, that Darren Gross does and um, that I was on that podcast which was really fun too like talk to this this guy whose voice I'd been listening to for so long uh but yeah I wanted to have that podcast and that's kind of what motivated me to do it and it just became like a great excuse to talk to people too like all of these people that um I've known online even that I never really got to talk to I finally got to sit down and talk with for an hour and um get to know them and and then it became like I can reach out to people that like would probably never want to talk to me like <laughs> and it, it it's been so valuable to me to get the chance to talk to people and just understand like what they've gone through and what what they've learned um their stories I, I even if I didn't publish the podcast and put it out I would still do it just because it's so nice to talk to people and it's made me realize how precious like a good conversation is 
I mean, how often do you get to sit down like we've done already for a good hour with anybody in your life without like a phone going off or the TV on in the background or some, some distraction, you know, you just, we're just sitting and talking. And even though it is like through the computer and, and online and everything, it, it's just really nice to talk to people and, and like-minded people and to learn what they've gone through and to realize that the struggles you're having are the same struggles everyone has. And I love that about your podcast. Like you guys are going through the album making process and it's like, yep, I know what that's like. I, that's, and, and it's like, it's never easy. You, you might've like been through it a couple of times, but it's still hard every time you do it. And that's the fun of it though. That's an important thing to remember that the challenge is what makes it exciting. With the musical side of things, you said you were in bands and, and things like that. And, and I know you've talked about this on your, your, one of your early, earliest podcasts, actually. I think it might have been like one of the first five episodes. The decision to go pro or not to go pro. And I think me and Jack, um, that was one of the reasons we started the project as well. When we were, something we spoke about a lot at the start. We always thought growing up that it was being a musician was all or nothing. Yes, it was yeah it, that was your life 24 hours a day you were a, a rock star or you weren't and you could dabble in the background and and it could be a bit of a hobby but you couldn't finish things or you couldn't dedicate enough time for it to be something still meaningful so did you struggle with that decision was it something that happened kind of gradually or and in looking back at it in hindsight do you think the benefits like the podcast for instance and doing other things having a, another job um, alongside it. Obviously, you'll never know the kind of sliding doors, what it would have been like if you, one of those bands had, had made, made it big or bigger and it was your full-time job. But looking back on it now, what, what are your feelings about that kind of, that decision to kind of go pro or, or not to go pro, I guess? Well, all right. When I was growing up, I wanted to be a baseball player. Like when I was a little kid, you know, I wanted to be like on the New York Mets. <laughs> and... Um, then it like occurred to me at some point how much baseball that meant I would have to be playing. It would have to be everything. And I loved it, you know, for a little while, like it probably was all I cared about. But when that reality kind of hit me, when I realized like, you know, I had Little League and we made like 12 games maybe in the season or something. And then you look at like the major leagues and they're playing like 160 games a year. And there's spring training. And I just realized, like, I don't want to play that much baseball. Like, it's just, that wouldn't be fun anymore. And even, like, as I got older on teams, I realized, like, the fun wasn't there as much. And it, got, it started to get too serious and competitive in high school, and I wasn't enjoying it. I think I had a slightly similar experience um, going on tour with bands that I played in. Like, we didn't do anything major, but we went, like, on these two-week tours down the... Um, east coast of the united states from new york to florida and back all the way down to miami and back for two weeks and we booked them ourselves it was totally just thrown together with like other local bands which was cool you know we we got to like really like know some people and every time we went out to play we were like in the culture we were part of the culture really and it was it was awesome but after two weeks i was like kind of ready to come home you know, and uh, I think I am a like kind of a homebody person. Like, I, I like being out in nature and stuff, but like, 
I, I like being home and alone and um, not always out doing things, going out every night. So it kind of occurred to me, like, I, I don't really want that life of, like, touring for six months or a year. And, the, and I'm not saying it was ever, like, an option for me anyway, but I, I, I realized, like, it wasn't really what I wanted. And it sort of became, like, a blessing that, um, you know, the, like, day job I had as a teacher um, afforded me the time but also gave me, like, the freedom to not have to rely on music to make money. So... Uh, that's like one thing that happens. It's something I've, I've come across with people I speak on the podcast too, is that like once you make something your job, it's your job, right? So now like um, you might sit down and make music and be like, I need a hit. I need this. I need to do that. Or like you might be doing music for like um, a, a commercial or a job or something and you have to make that kind of music. So um, and that and that that stuff's great and it's it's amazing if you can be there doing that but um i i did appreciate that i didn't have to have that pressure i guess it was like uh i don't know exactly how it happened but then I, then i as i got into like doing my ableton live stuff i started making like tutorials and sound packs and i was able to make a little bit of money doing that too and some and teaching it as well and that felt great you know it was um a real nice balance where um, I can make some money with what I've learned doing music, but it, I'm not dependent on it, and I'm also not required to do it. You know what I mean? Like I can just um, either not do it if I don't want to do it, or um, there's no one telling me like you have to make this kind of song. And um, you know, there's so many stories of like bands where like you know the record company comes in and they're like, "Listen, we need a hit, and you guys are." getting too weird with your music and no one's gonna like it and um it's nice not to have those pressures too so that episode you're talking about the to go pro or not to go pro like it's like based off of um the speech in hamlet uh to be or not to be which is where like my english teacher side comes in i guess and um it's that idea of like you know it, do you want it you do you real do you want everything though you don't just do you don't just have the fun show and then you go home and then you don't have to do it for a while and like everyone loves you and then like you would have that all the time it's and everything that goes along with it like not being home maybe not, like i love having my dogs i let my dogs out just a minute ago before we started this like i couldn't really have them if i had to be on the road all the time like there's a lot of things you you would have to give up too so it's, uh, it's, you know, we always see like, um, that like one side, the glitz and the glory of uh, anybody's life really, I guess. But like, when you look at like rock stars and musicians or athletes and any, any like person like that, like there, there's another side to that. And, um, I think that's something I've just learned and, and it's helped me appreciate like, um, not not being successful in the past as i wished i would have been <laughs> you know what i mean mm. like if 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 say like one of our bands would have like hit it big like what would my life be like now i don't i don't know that it, 
would they have broken up by now? Would you have been in a different yeah. band? Would they have? Uh, yeah, you just don't know, do you? It's, uh, yeah, as I say, kind of, you can't really, you, you'll never know. There's a cost to everything, you know, and it's um, there's a trade-off with everything too. And I've I've become pretty happy with like the way the trade-off has worked out for me. <laughs> I don't know if um, yeah, like what happens when like your passion, the th that thing you love to do for fun, for release, just to like blow off steam, even becomes like this like pressure now that you have to do it yeah there's kind of two sides to it aren't there there's one one negative is that you have to do things like being away from home and um touring for a long time and working to certain constraints that's a negative the other ne negative is that there's a danger of part you did enjoy whether that's kind of writing or playing that also becomes less fun because there's this pressure on it is that something you you thought about as well thought well i love music i don't want to stop loving music by turning it into a job well i don't think i really had that option yeah <laughs> it wasn't like i was um, it wasn't like I you like, had the contract ready yeah to i wasn't yeah. like ripping up record contracts or anything <laughs> you know that was never if a problem i had the luxury to have but um where I do realize it too is um, in becoming like like an Ableton certified trainer and and doing sound packs. Like I've come across opportunities to do other work, um, whether it's like product videos or um, or or making tutorial courses or um, reviewing stuff. Like these are like opportunities that come up where I could make some money, but. Um, you know, like I, it's it's cool, and this, and I've done it in the past, but it's not the it's not the love of making music that's coming out. It's not scratching that itch, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Like it's like using that to to make some money, but it's not fulfilling creatively. It's it's like uh, you know, when you say like yes to one thing, you say no to so many other things, and um by taking on that work, I limit the amount of time I have to make music and do the things I really enjoy. So yeah, it wasn't like I, I had to, those big opportunities, but like now I can see where, um, what it is I like to do. I like it's, I'm lucky to have the choice, you know, like having a, the day job and the backup plan or whatever you want to call it, it, it affords you like that of not doing things like you don't really want to do and i guess like you if you you never would have maybe or you might have done but you, the chances are you wouldn't have gone down the same route in terms of teaching or i mean it's uh, not to kind of put words in your mouth but it seems like you, you really see yourselves as a teacher not just in terms of your day job and you know, being a an english teacher but also you know you you run you've got the podcast that's teaching and you've got um your online courses and uh, your community that you've been building your production club and things like that. So you might not have realized quite the passion you had for, for teaching if it was, you know, if music was the, the be all and end all. So I guess that, that kind of leads me on to the next question is now that the, the you're still doing the music and it's just kind of a side project, but you've got all these other things going on. You kind of, you mentioned in the blurb for the podcast and on your website that you're, you're looking into the, philosophy as well as like the technical side of of music and and stuff so like, where do you feel most at 
home um, in those kind of categories of like teacher, philosopher, or like the more the more technical side of things in terms of uh, yeah what you've learned from exploring these different different things. I think I, maybe I think of myself almost more like a learner than a teacher. Um, because I, I think like like doing the podcast, like I'm learning like crazy. Even teaching English classes, I'm I'm the one learning the most in that room. I know it. Like <laughs> I know how much they pay attention. You know, I mean, but like there's so much to get out of that. And that like kind of like just curiosity has been um really the heart of it. Like it it's it's all a learning experience, and um, and when I'm teaching, like I'm not just like going into the folder and pulling out the ditto or handout for day ninety two. Like every year, I'm like, what what can I do to make this better? How can I figure out another way to like get uh, my students excited and to care about it, and and be fulfilling for me too. Because there is like definitely like a lot of focus. You can totally focus on standardized testing and things like that. But um, you know, those those types of like essays that get written for that are nobody likes those essays. The kids writing them doesn't like them, and the teacher reading them doesn't like them. They're they're just not interesting writing, really. For the most part, sometimes it's a little better than others, but there's other stuff that is really fascinating when you're like learning about who they are and they're actually into it and they're expressing themselves. And then that's where a lot of my learning can happen because a lot of, you know, everybody goes through a whole different path in life and they've, every single person, whether they're 10 years old or 10 years older than you or anything, um, they've got different lessons that they've picked up on and different experiences and different perspectives. And, that's um, that's exciting for me, you know, and and even doing the podcast like you like uh, you guys have mentioned it on yours, like you kind of learn about yourself and what you think. You've gotten your thoughts out in a concrete form, and it all we weirdly connects. Like you don't really see how things connect until you look back on it, but like now it makes sense. Like kind of like where I'm winding up and where i'm going i can like understand why it's happened so when you are teaching obviously you've said you consider yourself a learner but you've obviously picked up a lot of things along the way from talking to various people i guess in strictly in a a music sense or this might apply to english teaching as well um do you consider the most important things for kind of the technical elements for tricks and shortcuts that you pick up or is it more about the philosophy the kind of human behavior talking about things like dealing dealing with resistance like rob and i talk about a lot and uh, getting started and knowing yourself and all those kind of things is that arrival of one of those two factors more important to you or more interesting to you yeah like i think like i'm when I'm teaching, I'm more like, here's a cool thing I just learned. <laughs> here's something cool I learned. That's how it feels like when I when I teach something. And there's definitely importance to both of them, right? Like technical stuff and and philosophical stuff. I think a lot of the philosophical stuff works in many areas, whereas like some of the technical stuff is specific 
to that area. Like if we're going to talk about like grammatical things in a sentence or how to EQ something, like those are more technical. Um, but at the same time, like there's still like a philosophical connection. Like I think like good writing is like clear writing. It's easy to understand. I mean, the point of writing is to communicate an idea, right? So if your writing is loaded with extra words and too much jargon and highfalutin vocabulary that no one understands, then your writing fails. Like it, it, and I think when you're learning to write, that's an easy thing to confuse. You think like great writers are like difficult. And I think the same thing with music. Like if your songs are too cluttered and there's too much going on and there's too many frequencies, it, it gets lost. And like, Sometimes I know, like when I first was able to like have infinite tracks and every sound in the world when I got a computer, that's the first thing I wanted to do. And then when I listened to what I did, it was like, what is this? It's mushy. It doesn't sound like anything. So like the tool of the EQ is like often to like cut out what you don't need, and a lot of the grammars like cut out what you don't need. So there are like philosophical connections as to why you use the technical tools. So I, I do really enjoy seeing where things connect. Yeah, that's a good word. It sounds like as a teacher, you're kind of connecting the the layman, if you like, and the more technical side. So if someone says, my piece of music is too cluttered, I don't know why. You can say, yeah, this is why, change this, this, and this. And uh, you're kind of a conduit between what someone thinks is wrong and how you go about solving that yeah like that's where you apply the technique i guess you know and um i i've had experiences with music where i i you know i just i think i mentioned i put a compressor on things just because that's what you're supposed to do and like you, you just process things because you think you're supposed to but then you listen back and it sounds better before you ever did anything, <laughs> you know? So it's like knowing when to apply things also. But there's there are just like some like principles that just sort of work for everything. Like uh, like you guys talk a lot about like resistance and art, uh, War of Art uh, by Stephen Pressfield. And um, that's about like hard work and showing up and putting in your effort on a consistent basis. And I can't off the top of my head think of anything where that doesn't apply. Like if if you understand that concept, like you can get to the bottom of like almost everything. Like you can figure out how to do anything if you are going to show up and if you're going to be consistent and you're going to try your best. Like those those uh, traits are probably more important than anything else because they will get you to other other traits and other things that are useful in in everything it's uh i i tell my students and i think i did a podcast on it like the the most important lesson is like do your best work hard make that like your standard where I do my best at everything, even if it's something I don't feel like doing. If I'm going to cut the grass, I'm going to do the best job I can because I'm practicing doing my best and I'm getting better at doing my best. Whereas if you are never really 
putting your effort into things, you're kind of lazy, you don't care about it. Um, then when it's time for you to like really show up and do something, like you don't know how to do that. You're not used to it. It's not your standard of operation. So now it's hard. Yeah, you need to practice practicing in a way, don't you? To... Yeah. Yeah. And as a musician, I'm sure you guys know that like there is good practice and then there's like bad practice or, or not as effective practice. I think anytime you're using your instruments, you're growing, but there's definitely like... Um, if you're doing things wrong every time, then you're going to do you're it just wrong forever. Yeah. Laying on the couch, strumming a few chords, like it's it's better than not, but um, it's different than like if you are challenging yourself to learn something that you couldn't really play yet. It sounds like from every conversation you have, there's, there's something to take away or some kind of lesson that you can learn. But I guess looking back now, are there kind of, are there any recurring messages that seem to pop up over and over again in terms of when you're speaking to people about producing music or about projects, you know, what are the, the key things that you, you keep coming back to over and over again that you kind of over those episodes or what are the, what are the big things that have stuck with you? Maybe it was just a, in one particular episode that, that really stood out that kind of made a mark in your, in your thinking going forward. Cause you're obviously a musician still yourself. You're still putting music out there and still writing music. So I guess you're taking those lessons uh, into your own projects. Well, in that question, you kind of mentioned one thing is that like you can learn from everybody, like even somebody that you might have much more experience from, like their beginner mindset might just have them doing something you wouldn't think to do because you know better, <laughs> but it's, it might be cool and effective. Um, one, of, one of the big takeaways is it's, it's really not easy for anybody. Like I don't really ever remember talking to anybody that was like, yeah, this is easy, you know, and I've got my thing and I just do it. Like people have figured out like workflows and techniques that help them, but there's really no secret. There's no magic thing you can do. And, and everyone struggles with all of these things of getting started, of not being confident in what they're doing, comparing themselves to other people and then getting down on themselves everybody goes through that and it's like kind of nice to hear that coming from some people that have had great successes like you feel that you know like oh my god like but that that the a big difference is like are they using that positively or negatively are they turning that into motivation and inspiration or is it like um frustration and giving up and um, a lot of it is it's like just the powering through that and just moving forward and not giving up. But music is weird. Creative stuff is weird like that, especially music, I think, because there is a lot of like mathematical, technical stuff to it. But then there's also like that creative, spontaneous letting go of all that. So it really is uh, hard work is a is the main one really and you, know, you can have that talent but you uh, you know and you can have the the gift on a certain instrument or something but really you know a lot of it just comes down to to that but I guess that's a lesson in itself is is doing these episodes over and over again and hearing like you say some people that you see as really established artists or people that know everything still struggling with those same things so yeah I mean 
it's a shame not to hear you say, I was hoping you'd say like, there's this one coffee that they all drink. Uh, yeah. Like every day, it just gives you this inspiration. You can just go Some out people drink coffee, some know. don't. Some, you know, some have tea, <laughs> some get up early, some stay up late. Like everyone, yeah. it seems like has all kinds of different things. I think the thing that ke- that might unify those people that make it though is the consistency and the hard work and just showing up over and over again and just fighting through it and you know it's like waiting for inspiration is one thing but that's that's so rare like you you, if you love what you're doing like making music I think like even if you don't feel like making music if you spend a few minutes doing it eventually something's gonna like happen and you're like oh yeah like oh that's a cool sound it's it's crazy how getting started is the most important thing and how quickly after you sit down you forget all the reasons why you were reluctant in the first place and it's you know work is flowing as it should do and you're having a great time um i've done that so many times where i've really had to force myself to sit down and um not expecting much but i think your whole mindset changes once you do that and um, it doesn't take long at all before you start making things that you're happy with. And it's it's a weird mental block, I think, that it's such a small hurdle to get over, but it take, for some reason it takes a lot of convincing to actually force yourself to do it. I mean, through your... I guess that kind of comes on to you. So with your... Aside from your podcast, you've got I mean, quite a few other things going on. You have this music production club that you do. I mean, is did was that a kind of conscious effort to create a kind of yeah a community and this each having a bit of accountability for one another? And I know you you've kind of set challenges and stuff like uh, I think you had like a January or something once where you kind of you know you you wanted or you had to finish tracks by the end of the month. You know, kind of like what we're doing where you set these limits. So I've really found and we've talked about on the podcast that setting limits and time frames and things like that helps you sit down and do the work more because then you haven't got a choice it forces it's all about lining those things up so we know we need to sit down and do the work while putting limits in place in terms of time frames makes you sit down and do the work and yeah more often so was it for your from your own point of view did you think like i'm going to create this community and it'll help me finish more things or do you think that you knew from your experience that that would help others finish because it is a big problem that everyone experiences as you said to kind of sit down and do the work and and finish stuff you know finishing finishing tracks and finishing songs so yeah that's was that what was the main drive for that and kind of what started that process yeah that the music production club started really um more as like um so i make like the ableton live packs like i design sounds sampling things or whatever could be anything really but i like to make these collections of sounds and i've been doing that for a long time and um i would make like bigger ones like i started off doing all free ones but they were like kind of like one-off things like one little sound here or there and then i started making like larger collections that i was selling and by doing the club it was the idea is that you would get whatever i make every month you know uh, as like a subscription and it's much cheaper than if you had to buy them all but by doing it every month it forced me to make something new every month and that was one of the motivations for myself was that I want 
this like, I have to make something new. I have to make something new. And um, having that has made me do that. I have to, you know, I don't have a choice. Um, over like the last few months, this this year anyway, I've tried to make um, a little more interactive as far as like a community goes um, to help motivate and, um, you know, um, build relationships between people and get that like support system. And I think the podcast like kind of helped me feel that too because um, just talking to people and then like interacting with people that listen and write in or something. So it's like something like we all kind of need like that support and like having those deadlines is, is crucial. I think, um, you know, um, and, and also like tight deadlines too. Like if you give yourself too much time, now you have like more time to waste in a way. So more sounds to explore and more ideas to, yeah, to not choose. Yeah. When you're like down that. to the wire, it's like, you have to only do the things that will move the project forward. Like that's it. Like you, you have to be like real with yourself. And it's like, I, I mean, I really learned this from assigning stuff to my classes at school. Like it doesn't matter. Like if I give you a month to write the paper or two days to write it you're gonna do it the night before before (laughs) yeah (laughs) like you're gonna or even worse what can happen is if you have too much time it it just gets too big in your head and you can't figure out how to even start i think yeah i feel like you sometimes need feel the need to fill the time and create something that sounds like it took the whole time yeah yeah rather than you know do something that could be done very quickly just as well yeah and and um sometimes ideas get so big like you can't even do them and and that happened with the podcast like i wanted to do that podcast um for probably like two or three years before i started it but i let it become this major grand idea in my head where it was going to be like live video tutorial section. And then it was going to be like a sound design section. Then it was going to be like musical examples from a get. Like I just had so much I wanted to do that I, I couldn't possibly start. But for whatever reason, like one weekend, I just decided like, well, let me just do the bare minimum. What What's the least amount of stuff I can do to make a podcast? And that was just talking to the mic. And... I guess I've gotten good at talking for about 40 minutes <laughs> as a teacher. And uh, a lot of my like solo episodes wind up being like almost exactly as long as a class period. But I, I found like I was able to do it, you know, I, it, it worked that way and it was still like useful and valuable. And it wasn't until a, a few episodes in that I had a guest. So like I added that in and it's it's a lot easier to keep something moving than it is to get it started moving especially when you're like deciding you're going to move a giant boulder but if you just push like a little pebble like you can get that thing going and then it'll grow into the boulder but when you let it get too big and sometimes that's giving yourself too much time it was that was sort of uh, a thought i had when i was talking to you guys on on my podcast like giving yourself a year I mean, it's there's like a couple ways you can look at it. Like if you're developing a sound and a style, like that's not a lot of time. Like a band might spend all that time just rehearsing, figuring out their songs, what they're going to sound like. But 
on the other hand, it's, it's almost like a really large amount of time. It's a weird kind of length of time of like, yeah, it seems like a long way away, but really it's not that far away. And I guess with like, yeah, any length of time, you'll, like you said, you'll, you'll fill it in some way. I think it's called Parkinson's law. Yeah, yeah. The, the theory that like, you'll, no matter how long the time is, or, or you know, you'll fill yeah, it. Yeah, the project will swell okay. to fill the time. Yeah. Swell to that size, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that, that may be starting to happen with us. Um, I think we, we definitely didn't think that a year was an especially long time when we started um having like full-time jobs and everything we thought right we're really going to struggle to to get 10 tracks or whatever written and recorded in this time but um and it might still prove to be that way but i think so far we're finding that actually bands have done it and do do it a lot quicker so at least for kind of stress of you know every every single second is uh counts yeah and it's something that that we we talked about in in an episode recently is kind of you do need to make a conscious effort to set limits and it's something that you've talked about quite a bit brian i know on your podcasts and, and through your course and stuff is we were with this year project we kind of that was a long enough time that we thought we've got we can just do pretty much whatever we want we can use any instruments we can get our hands on we can we can explore yeah, different sounds download sound packs and things and and it's enough time to do that but then we realize you know you just yeah you need to set limits because i always thought and naively until pretty recently actually that creativity was like accessing everything and like you know having access to as many instruments as possible like buying as many synths and downloading as many vsts as you can afford uh, that would help you be creative and it was only a light bulb moment like fairly recently that i mean you think no actually like when i set limits um, that's when I think I think it was kind of from the lockdown. Like Jack's, uh, a lot of Jack's music equipment is um, is a different house. Like he's in his flat. I think it's like back at your parents' house, isn't it, Jack? So it's like through that he's been forced to make creative decisions of what he can and can't do with the instruments that he can get his hands on during the during the lockdown time. Um, so we've we've it's been a learning uh, a steep learning curve from that point of view. Um, and an interesting kind of learning lesson is that uh, creativity actually flourishes when you when you set these these limits on yourself. Yeah, I know. Uh, I know on a, a few of your podcast episodes, Brian, you you have talked about that specific thing. And obviously, now you've accumulated a lot of knowledge and a lot of a lot of sounds that you've made yourself. Do you ever find the same problem? Do you find that you can only get things done by setting limits or is there a nice kind of middle ground where you allow yourself to to do whatever you want i love showing up and having the doors wide open and i can do whatever i want and i have a lot of fun doing that but it doesn't always take form it doesn't like become anything it doesn't like come together it's it's a lot of exploring and um it's when the idea is a little more formed and there's like kind of like a target I'm aiming at. That's when things get done. That's because it's, it is like you said, like you get creative when you have problems to solve. Like I think that's what creativity is in a lot of ways. It's finding inventive solutions to problems. And I don't think just searching for a new kick drum sound out of your 10,000 kick drum samples is an act of creativity you know just listen oh no 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 and, and just like searching through things 
Like that's like a different process. That's like maybe gathering your palette. And then once you have the palette, all right, what can I make with these things that I have in front of me? And that's probably not having access to some of your stuff, Jack. It's probably useful in a lot of ways because you, you, I can't do that other thing because it's not here. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm, I'm pretty happy that I've reached a, a good, a good point where I mean, I bought myself a synthesizer. I've never had one before. And What'd you get? That, that, it is a Korg uh, Minilog. Oh, nice. Yeah. XD. Yeah, I'm really happy with it. It's, it's. I mean, there's obviously loads of stuff, loads of sounds you can make on that one synth alone. So yeah, in in a sense, that's that's too much. But um, I, I I don't feel the need to go out and buy more at the moment, which is can only be a good thing, I think. Yeah, and if you had access to thousands of sounds, you'd always be thinking like, oh, yeah, what if the right yeah. one? What 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 if that like horrible moment of like I've explored a thousand kick drums, like you say, well maybe one of the nine hundred ninety nine I didn't pick the better one it's like well if you only pick from five then that's less likely to be a problem yeah so, yeah the paradox of choice <laughs> exactly yeah. yeah going back to what you were saying are you suggesting that um there's an initial exploring stage experimental stage where anything goes but once you've got a little bit of an idea that you're happy with then it's time to impose limits to to get yeah i think done. that's that's a healthy way to work i think it's nice to have those kind of whatever happens happens things because you can come across things you wouldn't normally do so i mean that adventure state of i'm just exploring is useful but i do think you need to like then like kind of crack the whip on yourself so to speak like show up and say like all right it's time to get to work now and get down to business and um if i'm going to take this any further where is it going to go what is it going to become and that might be a good time to say, you might say like, all right, I'm, I'm done recording sounds. I have all the sounds. Maybe I'll still do a vocal or something, but um, I'm going to work with what I have here. Yeah, I think do like you... being specific with the rules is, is a good idea to just say like, I'm only using the mini log, which is not a tremendous limitation, but it is like, it's going to definitely puts you in a in a box to work in do you find when setting limits it's actually important to might sound strange to say it's important to think about things more i think a lot of the time when i'm trying to progress a song um i kind of play around with with notes and jam with myself effectively and mess around with settings and all these kind of things but do you find you actually have to step back and think not play any instruments think like what do i want this to sound like how many verses do i want it to have um and kind of take take instinct out of it if you like yeah maybe that that's a kind of cool way to put it like you kind of rely on instinct but then you have to um decide yeah yeah it i think it is important to, to commit to decide to this is what i'm gonna do and and it's just gonna ha have to be <laughs> for yeah. better or for worse and, and sometimes sometimes it is for worse but i do think that if you um find these ways to sort of 
limit yourself or um, eliminate choice that, and then this could even be like committing your effects to like, instead of having like a plugin on it that you can change, just like flatten it, resample it. So like that reverb is just stuck to that drum sound now. That's it. Tough luck, you know, <laughs> you're gonna have to live with it. But that will like force you to say, all right, well, the next thing I have to do has to work with that. So um, you're going to make decisions that um, are based on stuff that's sort of like, it's just the way it is. You know, I, I'm just, I, I can't go back and change it. Like by doing that, by getting yourself in these situations, like, no, I can't change that. I've already made this. It's stuck the way it is you move forward and, and once in a while you're going to like do something dumb and ruin something. But I, I do believe, and this might just be, um, what I like to tell myself, <laughs> but I do believe that if you live by that, you'll get more things done and you know, maybe like a few things perish along the way, but you will in the end have more to show for it. Whereas if everything's always left open, it's easy to just like have all these like unfinished things that you never got done. I think it's well, a big thing as well when we started the podcast and one thing that annoyed me for years was especially when you start getting into music production and you start searching for things online, you find forum after forum of people telling you how you should do things and the right way to do things. And you feel paralyzed by this kind of idea of like, you're never going to be at that level. And then you realize that actually most of those people have never finished a song or how actually you know, writing their own stuff anyway. They just like to talk about gear which, and stuff, which is fine. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just more and more things that are telling you. But then you realize what well, we're realizing. No, it's fine to you know, set yourself those limits to choose a, a drum sound and, and stick with it and work around it. Because I guess those would have been the the issues that people would have had back in the the older days when, when studios you know, were the only places you could record you might have only had access to a certain type of microphone or you know the sound of the room you can't change the acoustics of the room so you're stuck with it so you work with the acoustics rather than against the or trying to constantly fix them you work with them and embrace them so yeah that's something i've got a lot better at definitely is uh, it's just accepting a sound or or even forcing yourself down a certain path yeah because of that yeah yeah like it, just dealing with what you get a little bit and um, yeah, I guess like you said, like you have to work with the equipment that's in that studio. You have to use that sound or this this reverb or whatever. I, yeah, I mean, pretty much like, I, I'm sure Jack, you could have said like any modern synthesizer that's out is the one you got. And it, that'd be a perfectly fine choice to make music with. Yeah, agreed. I mean, I'm not an expert by any means. I chose one because I, you know, watched a video of it, thought it looked quite cool, reasonably affordable. I think he chose wisely. Yeah, being quite like an an expert in in the DAW software and stuff and kind of the that side of things. Do you find yourself erring more towards producing kind of in the computer, or do you tend to produce music more with physical equipment? I can see behind you, you've got like a lot of synths and, and kind of you know hardware. So is there, is there one thing you kind of go towards or is it always both or is it one or the other? Uh, generally, like all of this stuff is connected to my computer into Ableton Live somehow. So it's like pretty easy to um, have it 
I've got it set up so I've got basically like instrument racks that I can just drag into a project and it'll now I'm playing this profit here. Like it's there's no routing, there's no connecting wires. I've got that set up nicely so it feels pretty fluid. Um, I yeah, I'm, I'm very comfortable in Ableton Live, so I really like working in it. Um, but sometimes I like to I have the OP1 Teenage Engineering, and that that has a built-in like four-track tape recorder, like tape and quotes, but it actually like acts like one. It's, it's it's super cool. But I like using that sometimes. Like I plug guitars into that thing, and I plug a microphone in. I've I made a, a, an EP a couple years ago now that was it was like punk rock on the OP one, like just putting microphones into it, and. And it was so cool. Like I made this decision and it was a limitation. I didn't even, wasn't really thinking of it that way. It was just a fun way to work where I plugged in a microphone, a, an SM57 into it and headphones into it. And it does, it's on battery. So now I'm like walking around with the studio. I just put the one mic up to the drums and recorded a beat. And again, I didn't know what the song was gonna be even and then playing guitar over it. And, and I, I made a structure to a song on the drums, but I had to then like add the guitar over it. But I had that limitation that it was, all right, I, I have to make a song that has a 16 bar verse, uh, whatever it was, you know? And so I, I did uh, four songs that way. And it, it was just like, such a fun process of making music because it was wasn't very technical and i got what i got you know i only have one mic on the drums so and same mic for vocals you're able to like bounce tracks in a way on there mm. but um yeah because i do find myself getting lost in the in the door sometimes you know um, drawing midi and uh, and things it can become a bit more of a technical it sometimes feels like you're doing computer work yeah exactly yeah i'm like what am i doing this isn't this isn't what i imagined music would be as a as a child like yeah. drawing in lines into a piano roll <laughs> but yeah it's uh, it's nice to kind of like you said just take all that away and just yeah and kind of to a tape basically yeah it was like it, it, everything was more or less like a straight through take so you just beginning to end of the song and um, I also had the idea, like, I don't want any fluff in these songs. Like, there's no instrumentals, there's no intro, there's no outro. It starts immediately with, like, the vocals and straight to the point. It was, it was I tried to make it, it was uh, four songs, and I think it was, like, five and a half or six minutes long in total. Because <laughs> nice. they, they're just, like, bam, 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 right into each other. No breaks. And um, that was fun. That's cool. It, and, and, and that was the challenge made it fun. It was like, okay, I'm going to, I got this thing. It's it, the, taking out a lot of the complexity of the computer and multiple miking and, you know, stuff you probably want in most cases, but not having to worry about that was really nice. It was just running off the energy of the songs and the ideas. So you mentioned there that that was a, an EP that you, you got down there, a short EP. So, I mean, you've, you've obviously released quite a few things at the time. You have no, your music's on Spotify and Brian Fogg and things like that. Um, so, I mean, the focus of tune lighting, and we, we have this big focus on an album and albums. So uh, has an album ever been something that you've, you've embarked on? Um, has it, have, have you 
got any albums that you've kind of completed or is it just been EPs? Is it something you would be interested in doing? I've been doing EPs lately, um, but they're all like kind of like thematic. You know, like the last one I did was ambient music and um, another one was more like synth jams. <laughs> uh, that one was like a punk rock thing. Um, but I, I've done a couple albums with bands and I did, um, this is going a while back now, I did like a couple like solo records and one of them in particular, the second one was very like thematic. So I'll send you the link. It's, it's not, it's like an old name, Project Nerb, Nerb is Brian backwards, but the album was called, the album was called Forest Far. And the concept was like, kind of like, there's this like place called Forest Far you can go. And it's like, it's, it's further than you could ever get away. And you couldn't re really ever get there. But, um, but it, it like the songs all weaved into each other and there's like a lot of like journey aspect to it. So it actually opens with like footsteps walking through the forest. Um, I had so much fun. I had this like unifying idea. There, there's a lot of like different kinds of songs, but it's it's still like I guess like a rock type thing. But um, there there are like certain things that happen that just like unify it and make it into like this whole piece. And I like that a lot. Like that's um, even like a lot of like the stuff I do live with um, performing live with like Ableton Live and stuff. Uh, I like weaving things together. And I think sometimes even just doing that makes it feel connected. Yeah, it's a massive thing for us. Something we've talked about loads about all our favorite albums growing up or looking back are the ones that felt like a piece of art. I keep saying it's kind of weaved together. There's themes running through it and stuff. And uh, yeah, you get albums that are kind of just a collection of tracks or a collection of singles. Uh, but that's something we really want to capture in our album. It sounds like, uh, yeah, I'll be really interested to hear hear that album because it sounds like it was something that you were you were thinking about but um and then the eps are great as well because like you said you could explore you can do that in like smaller you can bursts just go yeah. off in different directions yeah I, I do like the ep format of like four or five songs a lot for the i think we kind of i don't remember if this is our first conversation or this one but we're like we've both said like we're all three of us are into lots of different kinds of music and different genres and it used to be like um when i was younger we were just playing the kinds of music we listened to which was very limited it was like alt rock grunge whatever punkish but um now there's so many other choices so it's kind of fun to like like the last thing i did was ambient stuff and it was just fun to like be in that world for a little while it's fun at, like it'd be fun to do just like maybe some acoustic guitar songs and just um to go into like little uh projects with with those sort of like because again that's a limitation right like if i decide i want to make like an acoustic guitar ep or album like think of how many decisions i don't have to deal with now <laughs> like i might not even have drums in it i might not um there, yeah, it's just uh, it. It's a lot easier than like. Well, let's just see what happens today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's the great thing about our project starting afresh is we don't have a fan base already. We have to kind of pander to. We don't have a record producer, so we can. Yeah, we've said a couple. I'll, of I'll times, say I was not going to get matter. any worse. Um, 
yeah. yeah it. it doesn't doesn't matter what it ends up sounding like because we can always do another album if we want to that's completely different or we can do an ep that's completely different so it'll be it's whatever it is it won't be the be all and end all it won't be the making or breaking yeah do you know, certain do artists you know what have like set that as their like um their path you know like some artists like you expect them to do this thing this is what they do like uh you know whatever but like i, I was listening to the new beck album uh hyperspace i think it's called and and beck is one of those characters that like he's always doing something different and i i put that album on almost more to be like let's see what beck is up to now <laughs> you know what was he into these days and and um it's it's new sounds for him it's it's got a lot of like modern influence and it's just like interesting like he he has set himself up where you don't know if he's going to do like an acoustic album or like a disco album or or what's going to come out of him but but again there are other people like you know you're going to be like hey you, you can't do that <laughs> like you've you, that's not what you do yeah it's, it's great that he's uh, managed to position himself in such a way that people expect the unexpected and I, I expect most of his fans want the unexpected as well um whereas like you say some artists will do the same thing and if, yeah, if they a concept album and people might hate it or they might love yeah, it, yeah if they do veer from it then it's more of a risk and uh so yeah it's i'm absolutely in favor of people who manage to change every time and get away with it well that's like a a bonus too of the whole not relying on music making as like your job your career your main source of income is you have the freedom to do that like people aren't waiting for you to like do that thing again <laughs> you know so you don't have to worry about that as much coming back to the album theme and it's a big thing around uh, around our podcast but do you have a kind of all-time favorite album or you know you could doesn't have to just be one but are there any that kind of i don't know that have meant a lot to you over over the years if you had to had to choose so i'm gonna take that to be like album like um very like consistent thematically connected thing yeah like your favorite piece of art yeah yeah maybe maybe not a greatest hits but right yeah and then there are a lot of albums i like that aren't really like thematic necessarily but um any beatles record really abbey road has that going on especially at the end uh, to get back home sleep pretty darling do not cry and i will sing a lullaby sergeant peppers and, uh pet sounds by the beach boys is definitely up there what's going on by marvin gay is another one that really like feels like a fluid one single idea broken up into little parts there's far too many of you dying you know we've got to find absolute classics yeah a lot of people uh, people have asked and when i think about it it's kind of albums that you meant a lot to you when you were growing up that maybe you'd look back at now and not in quite the same way. And then there's albums like the Beatles albums where you can look at them at any age and be like, that's an amazing album 
concept and just everything about it is great so there's different ways you can approach favorite album i guess yeah well growing up um any of the nirvana albums were really big uh the first two weezer records were enormous because i think um they really got me thinking more about like songwriting and melody that was like kind of the thing that stuck out to me like some of those early Weezer songs was almost like nursery rhyme melodies that are just so catchy and and they also had like they were like you know the nerdy thing going on and they weren't like uh the typical rock star which kind of made you feel a little more comfortable you know they're not like the popular kids either <laughs> you know so you like relate to them um, Weezer kind of just a aside they're kind of like the the anti-beck they've made a career out of people expect one thing from them and by and large with a couple of exceptions that's what they deliver every time and that seems to work for them yeah uh i've i you know tastes have changed i guess a little bit yeah i don't Those know how much two... you've been keeping up with recent weezer i always do i always i always have to listen just because um i think especially like rivers cuomo's songwriting and melody writing is really cool i love his process is really interesting he did a uh was it song exploder maybe yeah um, are you gonna mention the lyrics thing where he's got his database of lyrics yeah like i i've i found that amazing yeah and and there's like maybe a little part of me that was like, okay, because like, uh, like with with like Pinkerton was like their second album, and it was like really personal and um, was not a big hit commercially. You know, um, it has now lived on to like influence so many other bands and artists. But like he's, I've read interviews with him and. and things written about him maybe too so i don't know how true this is but this is my interpretation of the story about a guy i don't know um but that like really affected him that this like real personal album didn't hit so then when they came back they were like he was like a little more distant in his songwriting they like wasn't as personal and kind of just did what he felt would sell you know um and there, and there's some great stuff in there too but so to go back to like his spreadsheet like at first i was kind of like maybe that's why it feels a little impersonal because it's like but i i think that's actually very smart you know to to write that way to have like ideas ready to like collect things it's been really helpful for me i, I did a podcast with mark Cawley, who is um like a professional songwriter uh, he's got a book called, uh, oh man, we'll have to put that in the link. Um, it's a great book. It's all about writing songs. It's like the song journey, the song, something like that, the song journey. I'm sorry if you can't remember right now, but it's excellent. Um, and he advocates like you have to like have like a database of ideas, like a notebook or something full of 
titles or lyrics. And since that, since talking to him and reading his book, like I've kept a list of just whenever I think of like a cool line or something, I just put it in a list in my phone. And it's been really helpful to like when I'm playing with people or when I'm just trying to write to like go to it and just oh, sometimes it's random, just pick something or sometimes like, oh, yeah, that's a cool one. I, I, I can get get something going off of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's massively helpful. It's something I need to do more of. I try and make a conscious effort and I'll go through patches of where I'm really good at it and I'll do it all the time and then I'll have a time where I completely forget to, to do it again. But yeah, it's all practice, practice and practice. Yeah, and I think like what Rivers Cuomo Weezer does is really cool. He's he's treating it like a craft, you know. it's Songwriting is a craft and he's like paying attention to the stuff he listens to and he's getting the melodies and the chords and he's... He's writing down ideas and lyrics so that he can like really try to write great music. And um, yeah, I think I think he's an amazing writer. Like, I'm not always listening to the new stuff, but when I was that age, when those records came out, like to me and my friends, those guys were like our heroes. And it's good writing, good good songs good motion i don't remember what the question was but yeah, favorite albums <laughs> no. which, oh, yeah, yeah. which brings us on to um the second question we like to ask is not necessarily a favorite album but if there's anything recently in the past year or two uh, an album that you've heard and has really impressed you for one reason or another um very recently listening to a band called men i trust or from canada okay. I know, the, um, I know the name, but uh, not the music. I've heard they've come up a couple times, and I just never like listened to any of the albums. But I've been really enjoying them a lot. Um, new record oh, yeah. is pretty cool um i like the new washed out record I, I, that that's an artist i think that is like kind of um you know i just kind of want him to do his thing <laughs> you know <laughs> like um, i don't know who who that is washed out yeah chill wave like uh it's like synth. yeah quite dreamy kind of yeah synth pop kind of stuff i'm always changing and moving from thing to thing but like lately maybe it's like good summer music just uh stuff i've been enjoying a lot i mean there's just so much music out there yeah now. it's hard you know, to like know what to listen to especially new music there's enough old music to to find and, and catch up with alone everything that's coming out all the time but yeah you know it's still exciting it's always excites me trying to find stuff that i've not heard before or that's a bit different because i do go through phases of listening to like certain types of music i think it's also depends on the time of year <laughs> you know more I mean, it rains a lot in manchester in the uk so uh 
you know, that tends to reflect if it's raining a lot, I tend to listen to a lot more slower acoustic music. And when we actually get a sunny day, you might listen to some more electronic, uh, you know, happy music. So it's, uh, yeah. I think that's a great thought to have when you're making music too, like kind of in reverse, like what is this music for? What are people supposed to be doing when they're listening to this? And that can help you narrow things down too. You know, are, are we having fun here? Are we like upset? Like, like gouging <laughs> their eyes out? Yeah. <laughs> it is hard to find that balance of originality and doing something different from just, well, there's a reason why no one did this before because no one likes yeah. it. Uh, but I do like the, the idea of testing the the limits of kind of what's what's been done so, like sound-wise and something trying to get something a bit different without pushing it too far and making it something people don't want to listen to. I hear awesome. you. It's always a balance. Like, uh, is it clever enough? Is it simple enough? Is it, you want it familiar, but it also has to be not too familiar. It's got to be somewhat surprising or else it's boring. Yeah. And that's, I think that's where the, uh, where you can think too much about it. Um, and you, another kind of paralysis creeps in. You think, well, this is, it's not perfect. It's too similar to something that's come before. It's too weird. Uh, yeah, I think learning to let go of just a few of those worries is probably a productive thing. Yeah, it's it's like knowing when to think about it and when not to think about it. Yeah. Before we go, same question that you asked um, asked us at the end of your podcast. Have you got any uh, yeah, places you want to point people towards? You've got various things going on. So yeah, where can people find the music production podcast and, and various other things that you're you're up to everything's on brianfunk.com it's um all linked to there I, I try to make it easy enough to figure out but yeah you can just go there brianfunk.com i think i'm easy to find on anywhere else too cool and one last thing have you got anything exciting coming up or are you just kind of keeping all the various plates spinning the blog the podcast the uh yeah teaching? it's a lot of keeping the plates spinning um I've I've got my um I've got this like eight track reel to reel machine that I've been kind of uh, oh, reinvesting my time into. I love it. It's it's you know what it, <laughs> it's not always working right, and there's sometimes funny th- you know. But again, like we kind of said, like you kind of just work with it. That's a limitation. So I've been having a lot of fun um, bringing that back into this picture here. So. I'm hoping to get some music out of it. I've got a bunch of things I want to try, and um, yeah, that's it really. I don't, I don't know if anything major is coming up necessarily, but yeah, it's just chipping away each day, you know? <laughs> turning up. Yeah, exactly, showing up. <laughs> so that's it for another episode of the Tune Lighting Podcast. Um, really enjoyed speaking to Brian on both his podcast and having him here. Good to speak to a not just a fellow musician, but also uh, a fellow podcast host as well. So very fun indeed. And uh, yeah, I'd just like to say hello to anyone that has uh, crossed over and uh, Brian's listeners who've uh, decided to give our podcast a listen. Thank you very much and uh, hope you get a chance to listen to some of the old episodes, but also carry on to listen to uh, episodes in the future as well. See how we uh, we carry on progressing with the Tune Lighting Project. And um yeah, we always say if uh, if any of you out there, new listeners or old, uh, are thinking about uh, maybe taking on the challenge yourself, uh, we love that. We've we've had a few people already 
kind of join us on the journey of uh, setting themselves this challenge of of writing an album within a year or maybe you want to do it in uh, an even shorter time but yeah let us know email in it's tunelighting at musicianshq.com i'll put it in the description um a link to that uh, or you can get in touch uh, less formally on twitter or instagram or facebook any of the social media really so yeah i hope you join us again for another episode if you liked the podcast please do please do give it a uh, like and uh, a subscribe and uh, we'll see you next time